Welcome to the Power of Prevention podcast. In each podcast, we will go deeper into the topic of prevention in New Hampshire. We'll share our best interviews with you of people who are working tirelessly for their professions, their families, and their communities to stop something unwanted from happening, in this case, substance misuse. This is a podcast for people who are looking for solutions and want to make New Hampshire a better place where we all have the opportunity to live, learn, and thrive. We are hoping to make your lives a little better with these inspirational stories about substance misuse prevention. At one point during the campaign season for the 2020 election, New Hampshire was referred to as ground zero for opioid overdoses. And during that time, New Hampshire ranked number one in fentanyl-related deaths per capita. Fast forward to today, what does the situation look like now? Overdose deaths from opioids and synthetic opioids, primarily fentanyl, are up across the country. With overdose deaths exceeding 100,000, in over a 12-month period, and that's the first time. But surprisingly, New Hampshire saw a slight decline for a 12-month period, which ended May 2021. Today, we are excited to explore some of the factors that contributed to this decline and how a new grant from SAMHSA to the UNH Cooperative Extension can support those working in their communities to reduce harms of substance use. Today, we have Melissa Lee. She's a certified prevention specialist and an associate field specialist and the project director with the University of New Hampshire Cooperative Extension. She is going to share how this new funding collaborates with stakeholders to implement evidence-based opioid prevention strategies, ultimately to reduce the misuse of opioids with or without a prescription. Melissa, thank you so much for joining us on the show today. Thanks so much for having me. So, Melissa, we know statewide strategies like prescription drug monitoring programs, training providers and healthcare professionals, looking at safe prescribing practices, take back events, encouraging safe use, storage, and disposal of medication, Narcan, access to Narcan or Naloxone, and alternative pain management programs. These things are reducing opioid dependence and consequently overdose rates. So, to start, can you? set the stage for us of talk about what are the factors that influenced the UNH extension, their decision to apply for this funding from SAMHSA and, and what were your priorities? Yes, sure. So this was really an exciting opportunity that presented itself to us at UNH extension just about two years ago to the day. So to kind of zoom out from New Hampshire UNH extension is part of a larger land grant extension system across the United States. And that system overall has really risen to the occasion to help mitigate the effects of opioid misuse across our country and in our local communities. So nationally, an extension opioid crisis response work group was given a charge to identify and assemble resources to help the extension system play a stronger and more strategic role in addressing the opioid crisis and more generally behavioral health challenges as well that emerge over time. So recognizing that call to action, we decided to apply in New Hampshire for this SAMHSA Rural Opioid Technical Assistance Grant 
And SAMHSA has really recognized the important role that the extension system plays in addressing community health needs through outreach, education, and also policy and systems work. And thus, they created this funding stream. And here in New Hampshire, a couple of years ago, was really our first opportunity to put together a proposal that would help meet some needs in New Hampshire. So to start with, could you like set the stage for us about the factors that influenced UNH extension in applying for the funding? And what were the priorities that brought you there? Yeah, great question. I'm going to zoom out a little bit and just share that UNH extension is part of a national extension network connected to our land-grant system, land-grant university system across the United States. And extension partners across the country have been helping local communities really mitigate and address the opioid crisis since about 2015. So SAMHSA, the Substance Abuse and Mental Health Services Administration, has really recognized the role that the extension system plays in helping to bring evidence-based strategies, resources out into rural communities, especially across our country, and thus created a funding stream in 2018 called a Rural Opioid Technical Assistance Grant. And that funding stream has been made just available to extension entities around our country. So just about two years ago, UNH Extension decided to create a proposal and apply for this funding to help expand resources in New Hampshire to focus on opioid prevention. And in our proposal, we prioritized three specific strategies and ways that we would bring training and technical assistance to New Hampshire communities. And the first is to highlight and expand what's called the Chronic Pain Self-Management Program, which is an evidence-based workshop-style program that brings together community members to learn strategies to better manage their chronic pain. And there's some really great harm reduction education that's involved in those workshops around safe storage of medications, proper disposal, and just some really great medication management strategies, as well as alternative strategies to managing chronic pain. We also have prioritized education for healthcare providers and focused much of our project on the implementation of an experience-based virtual learning opportunity called an ECHO. So we worked with partners at UNH Institute for Health Policy and Practice on this multi-session ECHO, which brought together over 85 health providers, both mental and physical health providers, to learn about alternatives to chronic pain management. And then lastly, partnering with folks at Community Health Institute, who are the backbone for the work on the partnership at Drug-Free New Hampshire, to help bring some new tools and resources to New Hampshire communities that focus on opioid prevention. So kind of a three-pronged approach, really looking at helping to meet needs of individuals who may be struggling with chronic pain and providing them some prevention tools, meeting the needs of healthcare practitioners, and then again, kind of creating this great resource bank of virtual resources with the partnership. 
we've had a great partnership so far. I think some amazing products and information has been created. So these are your three priorities. And they came out of knowledge about things that have worked in the past. And what, where do you think this is going for the future? Like, what do you think looking at this, where do we need to go for the future for this? Well, I think one thing that we probably all know is that there isn't kind of a magic silver bullet to prevention or, you know, response to a public health crisis, that it really does kind of take this multi-pronged approach. And so much has been done prior to us obtaining this funding stream and helping to collaborate with partners in New Hampshire, everything from the community take-back days to establishing medication disposal sites in communities. And I really do think that it will continue to take this multi-pronged approach of communities looking at what works here, what are the emerging trends that we're seeing, and starting at the, the local community level, but having resources that are evolving and helping to meet those pressing new needs. And I think that's kind of where we've seen this great combination through our work. And I, I really do think that that's what it will continue to take is recognizing what are the current needs in communities as our times change, and then thinking collectively as a state across our partnerships of how can we help communities meet those needs with its with tools and resources. And I think that's especially to speak to the partnership, that's a really strong role that the partnership can play, you know, as we continue to evaluate what's changing with times and how can we respond with pertinent info that's useful now. And so what are some of the other partnerships that you have that help you with the three-prong approach and, and who's kind of implementing this with you? And where do you see how we can expand these relationships and the work in the future to prevent substance misuse? Yeah, so that's a great question. This has been a wonderful opportunity to connect with so many partners from a statewide level. In particular, our probably biggest partner and most, I hate to say most important, but um, from the perspective of the kind of call to action with this funding stream from SAMHSA's perspective, the goal was for our project and stakeholders and key collaborators to find opportunities to connect with the state opioid response work that's happening in New Hampshire. So we didn't, we don't want to create a siloed approach. We want to look for ways to connect the resources, the training that we're investing in and really making sure that that's, that's meeting the needs and is being disseminated and shared amongst all of the partners in New Hampshire that are playing a role in opioid response. So that SOAR work or the state opioid response work, finding those opportunities to utilize the network that's been built in New Hampshire to be able to share our resources out through those partners into local communities. So that's that's really important and something that we continue to build that relationship with partners through the state of New Hampshire. In particular, with some of the strategies that we've chosen, we do have some partners that are helping us do the boots on the ground work. And Southern New Hampshire Area Health Education Center serves as the backbone organization in New Hampshire for the chronic pain self-management program. 
they hold a license through what's called the Self-Management Resource Center to be able to train facilitators, implement the workshops, and collect the data that helps to continue to show that this is producing outcomes for folks in New Hampshire. So they've been a great partner as we've worked together to plan trainings and recruit new facilitating organizations, partner organizations who want to implement these workshops. We work with them around promotion of the actual participant workshops in the communities so that folks know that these are available. And then again, on that data and evaluation piece as well. So making sure that we're collecting relevant data that is going to show that these programs are making a difference for people who are investing their time and taking them. So that's been a really fantastic partnership. I mentioned earlier the Institute for Health Policy and Practice at UNH. They are one of two ECHO hubs in New Hampshire, which means that they can conduct this. Again, it's an evidence-based model of education ECHO stands for Extension for Community Healthcare Outcomes and is a model that was developed many years ago, but has found its way to New Hampshire through UNH Institute for Health Policy and Practice in Dartmouth, I believe is the other ECHO hub. But it's a model that's great because especially to engage healthcare providers and those who are busy working with patients and community members every day, it really is virtually impossible to get folks together in one space to really learn, collaborate. And this ECHO model allows folks to join virtually at a lunchtime and hear from providers across the state around what their ideas and thoughts are and and new innovative ways that they're helping to reach patients, in particularly with this one around chronic pain management So thinking about alternative strategies to medication use or, again, kind of those those safeguards. What else can we do to help an individual really live their fullest life while they're managing chronic pain? What are some of those other complementary strategies that can be embedded in patient care and, and or community resources they can connect their patients to, like the chronic pain self-management program? So that's been a really rewarding partnership because like I said, we've seen just 85 participating healthcare providers and that's across a spectrum of different modalities of healthcare that have joined on and participated and given their time to learn and share with each other around what they're doing and help each other strategize. And then I would highlight the partnership in our work with the partnership at Drug Free New Hampshire. One of our calls to action with this funding stream was to create a virtual space where we could house educational resources for opioid prevention. And at the time that we were responding to this funding announcement, we knew that the partnership was going to get a relaunch and a refresh and that that really was one of the goals for the partnership. So rather than create another place for New Hampshire residents and partners to go to look for information, it only made sense to work together and collaborate and strengthen something that has been seen in the past as a really great resource for New Hampshire communities. So I think it was perfect timing, kind of the perfect storm to be able to say, 
let's collaborate. Let's contribute some of these funds towards helping to build a stronger partnership page and build out those resources and opportunities and collaborate together and become part of that great entity again versus creating another tool. I'm sure we can all agree that, you know, sometimes we create more versus, you know, sometimes thinking what is the end user really going to benefit from? No, I agree. Making sure that the efforts are concentrated together so that people don't get confused on which, you know, where should they be going? So this is something we've been thinking a lot about at the partnership and in our prevention activities and in what we are putting out and, and who we're bringing to the table. But so can you talk about maybe factors or considerations that go into like the equitable access of prevention interventions? We know often people that are most in need of services are left behind. And so how does that kind of fold into these pieces? Yeah, that's a great question and really important to stop and think about what some of those barriers might be that could prevent folks from accessing services or resources. And so the kind of the piece that comes to mind is with the chronic pain self-management program. In the past, that type of a program prior to COVID was offered in person in a community setting. And that would often present challenges for individuals, whether it was transportation or time of day, whatever that might be. So I will say that during the past two years, of course, we've it's been an unprecedented time that is, you know, a lot of our work has pivoted, but we've been excited because this workshop modality can now be implemented virtually. So again, not a silver bullet because that brings up different challenges than prior to, but, you know, we have found that virtual participation, many who have participated virtually, I should say, have let us know that they probably wouldn't have participated in an in-person setting, whether it was, again, due to their rurality, where they live, not being close to a location, perhaps where one of these would have been offered, time of day, maybe be not feeling comfortable if they were truly struggling with managing chronic pain to sit in a conference room or a classroom for two plus hours for a session that being able to join from the comfort of their home virtually has allowed folks to be able to access this resource. So that's a plus, but then we look at the other side, right? That certainly not all of our communities in New Hampshire have great internet access And even if you do have internet access, believe me, it doesn't come without a cost. So I just called my company last week, actually, to try and negotiate those rates. So I I know, and we all know firsthand, that there are barriers, and it could maybe financial barriers to being able to access the internet, which might prevent someone from joining a virtual workshop or not having a, a device per se. But I will say one strategy that has come out of this opportune situation is that we've engaged with some community partners that have generously offered to donate space in their locations, in their communities, where individuals could come and utilize a device, whether it be a laptop or a smart device, and utilize their internet service to be able to participate in a virtual workshop. 
So we have some folks up in the Conway area at the Gibson Center who have generously offered. They reached out to us and said, hey, would you mind if we provided space for people to take part in these virtual workshops and we can promote that? And I I think that's a really creative way that we can look at potentially reducing a barrier for a community member. So we need more partners like that around the state, I would say, that might be willing to uh, collaborate. Again, that by no means is the ultimate answer, the silver bullet, but it's a way to get us there. It's about removing barriers and helping to increase access. So what's next? How will you continue to bend the curve down on overdose? Yeah, so we plan to sustain all of these opportunities that we have worked to build capacity for over the past year and a half. Extension and our partners plan to continue to offer the chronic pain self-management program in New Hampshire, which again is providing New Hampshire residents a way to learn these different strategies to manage their pain and hopefully avoid some of those pitfalls that may come with opioid use or misuse. We will continue to look for funding to support expansion of a variety of services and strategies. Again, the extension system is all about bringing that research-based education out to communities. So as we become aware of additional resources or strategies that we can help to bring and collaborate with New Hampshire communities on, we'll, we'll certainly be prioritizing those efforts. And I think we, you know, we'll have these partnerships in place that we've really worked hard to establish that everyone who's engaged in those conversations strategically about this work wants these collaborative efforts to continue. So funding streams may change. There might be a slightly different lens on what is identified as a priority potentially But I think the ability to come together as network partners and collaborators to really think smart, you know, around, again, how can we leverage each other's resources? Hopefully that will continue to help New Hampshire communities address the needs. And prevention is about looking upstream, right? So it's hard. It's not like we can necessarily pin numbers on prevention efforts. You know, your grant is specific, but I don't know if you can speak to this. What do you see that needs to be done to not just address evidence-based prevention, but like treatment and recovery and, and harm reduction strategy in this broader, beyond maybe what you yourself and your and UNH Extension can be doing, but like in this bigger network that you're talking about? I think one thing that has come to light for myself through you know, especially taking part in this ECHO strategy that we engaged with healthcare providers in and thinking more broadly is that I really think there's a need to continue to focus on stigma reduction and to continue to move towards whole person engagement in health and wellness and treatment and recovery, you know, that we start to think about opportunities well, not start because I know that this is the curve and this is the way that we've been going, but just to really emphasize that treatment for substance misuse shouldn't be any different than treatment for heart disease, right? Or diabetes, that we think about people as, as whole persons and try and reduce the stigma around 
getting help early, that early identification and connection to resources, you know, whether that's for mental, behavioral health, substance misuse, any way that we can help people know that it's okay. We all struggle with something. (laughs) And just normalizing that that's, it's a part of life, just like getting a diagnosis of a physical ailment. So I really feel like, again, the work, stigma reduction, access to mental health and substance misuse services, and that early connection is really so important. Extension has been doing a lot of work in the last year and a half around the bringing more capacity to New Hampshire to deliver the mental health first aid training series. And really the point of that is connecting people early, you know, recognizing signs and symptoms and those that we spend time with and that we care about and helping people recognize that there are opportunities to get help before things get too late. So. Oh, I think that's so important. So how are you going to know if you are successful? I think we know already that we have successes, that we're, we're checking the boxes on successes. A, the workshops we're offering, the chronic pain self-management program workshops, most have been full to capacity. So the demand is there. The public is learning about these and the demand is there for the program. And program participants are reporting really amazing outcomes, anecdotally, their experiences, the connections that they're making, the support that they're feeling is helping people feel empowered to lead healthier lives and feel more in control of their lives when managing chronic pain. We know that our healthcare providers have reported gaining knowledge and resources through that ECHO experience that concluded in March, and we're, we're seeing the feedback data from that. And it really did play you know, a huge role in helping to help folks feel more equipped with how to talk to their patients about community resources around pain management. So I'd say that that's a huge accomplishment. And our project team kind of across our collaborating organizations keep sharing that they're ecstatic really to be joining forces together and leveraging our collective resources. Every time we have a planning meeting or a time to gather together and share, it's been a really rewarding experience to see partners from so many outstanding organizations in New Hampshire who are playing a really important role in community health coming together to collaborate again and, and say, okay, how can, how can I leverage your connections? How can we work smarter on this? And I think that kind of collaborative network is just a huge success. Makes me proud, I should say. I, I have really enjoyed working with such a diverse and experienced group of partners. So Melissa, we have a last question we ask of all of our guests. And that is, what is your definition of prevention? How would you describe prevention? I define prevention as the opportunity to keep something from happening through 
accessing or using tools or strategies because it doesn't just happen, right? Something's got to intervene. So it's kind of like redirecting the course of time in a positive trajectory in order to avoid something that could be harmful or negative from happening. That's a good definition. I'd like to thank everyone for listening to The Power of Prevention and really a special thanks to our guest, Melissa Lee. Certified Prevention Specialist and the Project Director at the University of New Hampshire Extension. So if you liked this episode and you want to hear more, please visit us at drugfreenh.org. You can follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and you can subscribe to the series at Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or Stitcher. And we'll catch you on our next episode.